2: My only
3: object in being here
4: is to try and get at the
3: truth. Where shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn.
4: I
0: could have been a contender. Fasten your state. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a
2: golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm going to make him an awful deal. All real, man. Love is... is. Well, too well, weak a word. for back. I, 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 love it? I, I loathe you. <laughs> I
3: loathe you. I love you
2: <laughs> 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 I did as he said. Don't let
3: me... If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! let it and Remember that you told me! It's time, Robbie!
5: Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. And
3: the Oscar goes to Green Book.
5: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 170 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Neglia. Time of recording, 11.08 a.m. on December 1st, 2019. Here to join me today, I have Michael Schwartz. Hello everyone. Casey Lee Clark. Hello, Dan Baer. Finally out of the turkey coma. Josh Parm. Hello, hello. And Tom O'Brien.
3: Hey, everybody.
5: So, did everyone have a good Thanksgiving holiday?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. it was very nice.
5: I imagine that uh, lots of movies were watched over this weekend. Oh,
3: yeah. Not not nearly enough. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear that a little bit. I didn't even get to watch as much as I wanted to. And I didn't get a chance to show my family all the movies I wanted to show them. But, you know, I got some stuff in there. You know, it was pretty nice. Um, The most important question on my mind right now, though, is what's everyone's favorite line from Al Pacino and the Irishman?
4: Uh, It's when he's yelling at them and he pauses and goes, I'm going to jail.
1: (laughs) I do love that moment, yeah.
5: My favorite one is, sick? No, that's not sick. He had a fucking stroke.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. I do love Pacino's line at the banquet where he just says to De Niro, they wouldn't dare.
2: I, it's such a wonderful, dramatic moment in that movie.
5: De Niro's all like, don't say they wouldn't dare. Yeah. Don't say
2: that. <laughs> I like in the scene outside of his office when he goes, no, that didn't apply to you.
5: <laughs> what do you mean it didn't apply to me? You call me a motherfucker. I didn't see you standing there.
2: <laughs> oh, my God.
5: Uh, anyway. Anyway. The reason why I bring this up is because The Irishman dropped on Netflix uh, this week. Everybody, of course, had a chance to uh, catch up with it, I think, that uh, didn't previously have a chance to see it in theaters or at any of its uh, festival screenings. So everybody was talking about it on social media. Um, there was quite a lot of takes on the movie that I saw. But uh, ultimately, all around, um, there's no denying that that film is going to be a huge contender in the Oscar season. And speaking of the award season right now, Uh, We have a lot coming up over the next couple of days. Thanksgiving is out of the way. It is over, which means the screeners have been sent out, ballots are going out, and voting is going to commence. So what you're going to see now over the next couple of weeks is you're going to see a huge, huge push from the studios uh, to get certain contenders uh, on top of voters' minds. You're also going to see the Critics Awards start to chime in, the precursors as they are called. And just this week alone, let me just give you guys the rundown here really quickly. So, today we have the British Independent Film Awards. Tomorrow we have the uh, Gotham Independent Film Awards, uh, which I'll actually be attending uh, for the first time ever. So, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, We have the Annie Award nominations, the Satellite Award nominations. Then on the third, we have the National Board of Review. On the fourth, we have the New York Film Critics Circle, uh, the AFI Top 10 Films of the Year. On the 6th, we have the Washington, D.C. Film Critics Nominations. Uh, On the 7th, the European Film Awards, the uh, International Documentary Association Awards. And then uh, a week from today, uh, Critics' Choice Nominations, Los Angeles Film Critics Awards, Washington, D.C., And I'm getting messages from uh, our very own Will Mavity right now, as we speak, that Atlanta film critics are tomorrow. Uh, The initial list for visual effects from the Academy comes out tomorrow. Dear God, (laughs) (laughs) heaven help me. (laughs) Welcome to the craziness. And that's just the first week. That's just the first week. It's going to be coming at everybody really fast. Um, It's going to be constant. It's going to be an all-day, everyday thing. Uh, So the question is, with all these different awards coming through so fast in such rapid-fire succession like this, uh, Michael, what would you say to our listeners out there is the number one piece of advice they all need to keep in mind when these awards
2: start to come through? You need to understand that with the Critics Awards, there are trends and patterns that pop up. But they usually occur after the first two or three sets of awards, after New York, NBR, and uh, L.A. film critics. They all like to go and do their own things a lot of the time. So don't expect just because something won at New York, it's going to continue on at L.A., they usually like to be the first, do their thing. And then a lot of the regional groups tend to follow after them. Exactly. So what we're going
5: to do is this is we're going to, uh, systematically like pick these groups apart. We're going to take a look at like what happened over the last, uh, like two or three years and do our best to try and like put forward what we think might happen over these next few days. But before I get to all of that, I want to just go around. Like I said, uh, it was Thanksgiving. Some movies were watched, of course, uh, with family and loved ones this week. So, um, Michael, I'll continue uh, and start with you here. Uh, did you catch up on anything over this Thanksgiving weekend?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go r- by really fast because I have not been on the podcast in a while and I've seen a lot in the last couple of weeks. So I just want to do a speed round to fill people in as to what I liked and didn't like. So really fast. it's all the Irishmen in the theater with a the big crowd without breaking it up over four days, which I think is the silliest thing uh anyway one seating sold out show its masterpiece obviously one of the best of scorsese's career which means that it's probably one of the greatest movies ever made i think it's astonishing and i look forward to watching it again and again on netflix so we'll be talking about about that one more and more i'm sure i saw harriet which feels like it came and went i thought it was a chore and pretty much forgotten everything about it did not like it at all i saw ford v ferrari which is a new american classic loved it glad it's doing well A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which I thought was well done, but didn't click with me the way that I would have liked. I think Tom Hanks is phenomenal, and the movie is best when he's on screen as Mr. Rogers. Knives Out was thrilling. Really great breakout performance by Anna DeArmas. I hope she finds some traction with maybe some Critics Awards or even a Golden Globe nomination. Frozen 2, which I'm sorry to say is the disappointment of the year for me. Can't recall the last time a sequel was so significantly worse than its predecessor. Felt like it was lacking in every way from the original Frozen, which I do love. And finally, I caught up with a report yesterday, which I thought was excellent, straightforward and tightly paced, and really phenomenal performances from Adam Driver and Annette Benning. So those were the seven movies I caught up with over the last month or so. Remember what I talk about in
5: terms of hot takes, people? That was pretty good. <laughs> All right, Michael. Awesome. It sounds like you had a really, really packed week there, uh, filled with some ups, some downs. But, you know, the year is starting to uh, come more into uh, focus for you, you know, as, as far as what 2019 had to offer. So that's pretty cool. Uh, let's pass it over now to Casey.
4: I had a much less exciting week than that. Um, the only thing I saw was Thanksgiving night. Me and my boyfriend's whole family went and saw Knives Out as a group. And it was lovely, had a lot of fun. It was really interesting seeing that a second time and seeing the mystery unfold, knowing what all happens and how you notice more the second time. And it was just a blast. There's a lot of, specifically lines, I think that like Jamie Lee Curtis says that I found much funnier on second viewing, just knowing things that are coming, like pre my dad's death. Oh, it was great. (laughs) It's just, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Everybody's seeing it and I'm really happy that it's doing well.
1: Okay, cool. Josh Parm. Uh, well, the main thing that I caught up with this week was Dark Waters. I finally got a chance to see that. And mm. it is, it's is—it's good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it definitely doesn't feel like other Todd Haynes films, but I actually think he brings quite a lot to it in terms of a directorial uh, standpoint. The script is where it kind of falls down a little bit for me. Um, But overall, it's an engaging procedural. I I don't think it's the best of its genre, but for what it is, it it was enjoyable while I was watching it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That
5: kind of falls in line a little bit with uh, my thinking along that film too. Like it's okay, but it, it is elevated by Todd Haynes, even though it's a very different kind of Todd Haynes film. Um, it, it, it's interesting in that regard, I think. And I, I think the message of the film is something still that um, is worth uh, listening to. My mother uh, said to me the other day, she was like, Do you, have you seen the, the Teflon movie? I'm like, that's what we're calling it? Okay. <laughs> uh, Dan Baer, what about you?
0: I I do not have almost anything exciting to say. I saw a beautiful day in the neighborhood for the first time since seeing it in Toronto, and you can hear all my thoughts on that. My very detailed thoughts on that on the podcast review here on Next Best Picture. I sadly did not get to see anything with the family over Thanksgiving holiday because the local movie theater in Connecticut had a terrible schedule.
5: But I mean, think your problem is you're in Connecticut. That's first and foremost.
0: <laughs> no, no, like they all all the movies that like I have seen and would recommend to my family were playing there, which was like even Parasite, which I was kind of shocked yeah. by. And you know, we were talk talking like what do you want to see? What looks good? And, you know, when everyone's finished with the meal and prepping or whatever night you know every night that week that I was there Wednesday through Saturday it was always just like okay what do you want to see well what's playing look at the times and go like well we can't make this showing because we just missed it and the next one's too late so oh well I tried to get them to turn on the Irishman but Every time they're just like, well, we won't finish it now until too late, so maybe tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and nothing. So, eh. Oh well.
5: We're gonna have to, uh, you know, try getting the watch it at like eight a.m. one morning or something right. like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom. I'll try and be fast like Michael. Uh, I uh, had a couple of second showings. I had saw Knives Out again, and I think I'm much more in the camp of it's a devilishly entertaining. A night out at the movies rather than one of the 10 best of the year, but it's so well done. It's, it's, it's really terrific. As Casey said on a second viewing, it's really, really good. And I also saw Jojo rabbit again for a second time. And when I was on the podcast with you, I was the skunk at the picnic who didn't particularly like the tonal shifts, but now knowing what's coming, it seems like more of a piece. So I'm on board. I'm on the Jojo train. So count me in. Um, among new screenings, I saw The Two Popes, which is delightful. Um, yeah, it doesn't get into certain things that you might want to have the Catholic Church talk about a little bit more. But um, that's what this film is, you know, really it, it has its own concerns. And the two of them are just fabulous, really terrific together. I saw Waves, which knocked me out. I really, really like that. I, I I sense it's losing traction in the uh, Oscar race, but I hope not because they are. It's 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 a really wonderful work, and uh, actually, the biggest surprise for me was uh, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Right? Yeah, I I, you know, you know, my NBP colleagues and anybody who knows me would probably think I'm I'm not the ideal demographic for this film, but I uh, I must say I okay I'll give it a chance. First scene that worked. Second scene that worked oh, that's good. Oh, what she did here is great. And by about the fifth scene, I thought, you know, this is pretty good. And by the 10th scene, it's like it it, it worked consecutively. I thought, this is really good. And by the end of it, I loved it. I think it's, I've seen all four little women, main little women uh, films. And uh, this is, to me, the best. I I know the
5: 1994 film is beloved and all by a lot of people, but I think this is, Maybe the best version, yeah, I'd say I'd say it is.
2: Yeah, and even the director of the '94 version has sung praises about this one.
3: Yeah,
5: yeah, I saw that on
2: Twitter. Mm-hmm.
3: I, I think it's I think it's going to play very well with audiences. It's you know it, as long as um, uh, men go to it, I think it'll be a. You know, but it's going to be a tough sell because the idea of Little Women might be a little bit off-putting to guys. But don't, don't be off put by this. This is one terrific movie.
5: Yeah, I agree. I was very, very hesitant going in. Um, like unlike you, Tom, I, I remember the first couple of scenes. Um, I was a little confused initially. I have to admit in terms of the editing and the time jumping. Yeah, but about fifteen minutes in, I finally like realized what the visual cues were to let us know when a time jump did take place. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I can follow this a lot better now. And once I was able to do that, um, you know, I mean, the story is just timeless, right? <laughs> I mean, the story is the story. It's like a star is born. We know the story works. The question is, how is the story being told? First 15 minutes or so of that movie, I was like, I don't know if I like how this is being told, but Nah. She knocks it out of the park, I think, by the end of it, for sure.
3: She absolutely does. And it's impeccably casted.
5: Oh, God. It's one of the best ensembles of the year. All right. I don't want to gloat too, too much about a movie that not many people here have seen. (laughs) Don't worry. You all will have your chance pretty soon. (laughs) Uh, For myself, I only saw one new film this week. Um, I did a couple of repeats. Um, I repeat watched uh, Waves. Um, I watched uh, Jojo Rabbit again as well. Um, I watched Rocket Man again. uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, the Irishman again three times now <laughs> um, and uh, the new film though was Richard Jewell uh, the Clint Eastwood film I had mentioned last week on the podcast I was going to get a chance to see that I've seen it and I think the acting is pretty good from uh, Paul Walter Hauser Sam Rockwell Kathy Bates Olivia Wilde's performance in this movie is a mood that I <laughs> can't really describe <laughs> But I do think that that might be the one part of the movie for me, especially that just sunk the entire film, uh, because it just so blatantly and clearly uh, displayed Eastwood's view of the media. And I, I didn't like that. I really didn't. And I felt bad for Olivia Wilde. I know what she's trying to do with this, but her performance just felt like it was a, in a totally, completely different movie than everybody else's. And whether that's Clint Eastwood's direction because of how he wants to depict uh, the press, um, I don't know. But that was the vibe that gave off to me. Otherwise, the other performances are really good. The story is very strong. I do think Eastwood nails the emotional aspect of what uh, Richard Jewell went through and, and also his mother um, as well as she was also dragged into it. So I think all of that works. It's definitely his strongest film since American Sniper. I do not think it's a best picture play.
0: Ah, fantastic testimonies. Thanks, guys. Absolutely genuine and real. (laughs) And if you want to give a genuine testimony as well, go ahead and search for IMDB Journey. You can find us on all your favourite podcast sites, including iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify.
3: So come along and join our
5: journey. Alrighty, uh, so now that we've gotten all of that out of the way... Uh, Let's start off actually with this week's poll because uh, for this week we're asking a question that we asked a month ago at the beginning of November. We're going to revisit this now. So last month we asked everyone what what film do they think is going to be the next Best Picture Oscar winner. And pretty much the results, a little surprising I thought at the time, but the results back then, the top five, were Joker... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, The Irishman, and Marriage Story at number one. So now we're going to revisit this question here. Michael,
2: which film do you think will be the next Best Picture Oscar winner as of today? So the last time I answered this question, I went with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I still think is a top tier contender and will very much resonate with the Academy, especially the Actors Branch and down in the tech. I think there's a lot to love of the Academy here. But I think after seeing what uh, happened this past week with Netflix, I think the Irishman is really in a strong position. Again, with the actors and writers, uh, I think it's in a really position with that push and a way to Martin Scorsese a second time. So I'm going to see what happens with the Irishman for now, but I think we're in a race between that and Hollywood for the time being.
5: All right, let's uh, kick it over now to Casey. Casey, what do you think is going to go on here?
4: Yeah, my mom actually asked me this on the phone last night. Uh, she said, She was like, she's like, what do you think? But what does your heart say? I was like, who are you? Um, no, I'm still going with Irishman. I think also like the word of mouth the way that it's taking over. I think also just it feels like it covers so much scope. It feels like a best picture winner. And I think, you know, when there's so many great films this year, I think you have to kind of go with your gut on that one.
5: Yeah, I I think the scope aspect is very important. That's something I I sometimes go back to in many ways. Um, And also, too, um, in terms of the appeal of the movie. Although, I do have to say, there is a lot of people, and sometimes I look to my own parents as like a barometer in terms of how older members of the Academy might react to movies. Um, There is a segment of people out there that watched The Irishman and didn't particularly like it because, A too long be too slow and the too slow aspect comes from going in with the expectation that this is going to be another goodfellas casino in terms of like the hyperkinetic energy if you will and um it, it made me it made me wonder how many people out there are gonna watch it and have a similar reaction within the academy so yeah interesting though uh let's kick it over now to dan bear dan bear what do you think
0: I have for months been saying that it's going to be 1917, and as of right now, I see no reason to change that. Okay. All right.
3: Tom? Uh, I think that what's going to hurt 1917 and probably Parasite, much as it breaks my heart, will probably be a lack of acting nominations. So I don't think that they're going to be able to make it. I mean, I would be thrilled if Parasite won. Uh, but I'm not quite sure it's going to happen. So that basically leaves for me Hollywood and Irishman. And I think Irishman has the heft of a Best Picture winner and all of the, uh, you know, the excitement about it coming on Netflix now. Now is a really important time for voters because I think that uh, uh, it's be- you're beginning to set your opinions. And uh, what what I love about this weekend is that it's the last weekend the six of us have to Predict blindly.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. We've got no critics awards, nothing. We're just going on our own gut. So my gut tells me the Irishman.
5: Okay. The voice of reason, Josh Parm. <laughs> what do you think is going to be the next best picture Oscar winner?
1: Uh, well, at this moment, I am still sticking with once upon a time in Hollywood. I think that is a movie that is especially going to appeal to the industry later down the line. I am not writing it off at all. I think it's still a very strong contender. And that's where I'm still sticking with right now. I I think it's going to do very well.
5: I want to just ask a couple of piggyback questions off of this uh, week's poll here. Um, So one movie that no one has seen yet, and it's not Cats, FYI, (laughs) is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And listen, I get it. I know, you know. The 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 chances of something like that happening in the best picture race, especially at this point, pre precursors, it's not going to land at like things that like such as Golden Globe or SAG. Like I get it, but if that movie truly is like an emotional, insanely satisfying send off for the Star Wars uh, legacy of uh, what Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, uh, Harrison Ford, and everybody else started forty somewhat years ago. Do we think at all that there can be like some sort of a late last minute surge for that movie? Or is it just completely impossible, never going to happen? You won't even entertain the idea.
1: It's
4: not going to happen. Yeah, I think for two reasons. One, I think there's just Star Wars fatigue at this point. And I think that the time that that would have happened would have been Force Awakens. But also I think that the field's just so crowded now. That it kind of feels like it's hard to find that opening in for that type of thing. I think it'll do well with text, but yeah, I don't see it happening in the best picture race.
5: Yeah, because I, I included it on this week's poll just because for that reason it hasn't been seen. Um, admittedly, though, I, I did have like ninety-eight percent of my body saying there's no reason for you to include it on this poll, but <laughs> I figured I figured why not because it hasn't been seen. So what can I say? You know.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Casey. That if this was going to happen for Star Wars, it would have done it for the Force Awakens, which probably got closer than we think, but still didn't make it. And I don't think that Rise of Skywalker is gonna do that. It's gonna be a big money maker, do well with the text. I agree with all that, but I don't think it's coming anywhere near best picture. Okay. Now what
5: about a film that's been around a little bit longer this year and is another emotional send off for a big franchise, Avengers Endgame? Nope. You nope. I think no Star Wars
2: has a better chance. Yeah. <laughs>
5: okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so that is this week's poll. Uh, you can head on over to NextBestPicture.com. Vote for it there. Uh, last week's poll, want to reveal some results here. Uh, we asked everyone uh, which is their favorite Daniel Craig performance for uh, the release of Knives Out. And we do have a top 10 here voted on by the community. Let's take a look and see what the results are. Okay. So uh, at number 10 is his performance in Defiance, mm. which... Has everyone seen that Edwards Wick film? Mm, a while ago. I have not. Mm-mm. I have. I don't you remember much it, of Michael, it. That's, Pretty surprising. forgettable. It, it's decent. It's not great, but it's not bad either, I don't think. Uh, number nine is Munich, which uh, that is a really good movie. Um, I think that movie get does not get the credit it deserves.
1: I love that movie. Uh, Daniel Craig's not really the thing that stands out as the most yeah. successful thing about it. But, you know, yeah. the movie's great.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think of Eric Banyan. Mm-hmm.
5: Number eight is The Adventures of Tintin.
1: Hmm. That's a pretty inspired yeah. choice, actually. Yeah. Yeah. His
5: his, uh, his performance in that is actually a lot of fun. He uh, changes his voice uh, once again. He does like kind of like a campy, over-the-top villain villainous performance. But um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, number seven is road to perdition.
0: So good in that movie. Yeah.
5: He
0: is love good. that movie.
5: Number six, the film that supposedly got him the, uh, James Bond role. Lair
0: cake. Love that. Yeah. It's good. If you haven't seen it.
5: Number five. Skyfall. Okay. No complaints from me. <laughs> number four, the girl with the dragon tattoo. I didn't get much out of him in that. Yeah. I think he's solid in it, but it's not a performance that ever, I ever thought was like worthy of awards consideration or anything like that at all, you know?
2: He does I
0: think what's it, needed. of.
2: Yeah. Him. It's just very much there. Right.
0: It's a great piece of casting, I think, that never really goes beyond that. Yeah,
5: Number three is his comedic turn in Steven Soderbergh's Logan Lucky. <laughs> love that. Such a fun performance.
3: Joe yeah. Bang, baby. Oh, that Kentucky Fried accent. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm getting so naked. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Number two is his possible franchise beginning role as Benoit Blanc in Knives Out.
0: My favorite performance of the year. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Number one is his first turn on screen as 007 James Bond in Casino Royale.
1: Good good job, community. I'm proud Thank of you. you. Very, very <laughs> uh-huh.
5: All So now let's move away from the polls. Let's talk about what's going on in the world of award season. So first up, Gotham Independent Film Awards. We're going to go over uh, one more time the nominees here, and we're going to uh, give our predictions for what we think are going to be uh, the winners tomorrow night. Let's take a look and see what we got here. So, uh, first up, uh, we got Breakthrough Actor, Julia Fox and Uncut Gems, Aisling Franciosi in The Nightingale, Chris Galloose in Give Me Liberty, Noah Jupe in Honey Boy, Jonathan Majors in The Last Black Man in San Francisco, or Taylor Russell in Waves. Mm -hmm. What do we think?
4: I feel like it'll be Noah Jupe, I think. I think that it's with all that Honey Boy's been doing lately, and I feel like he's been front and center with that.
3: Yeah, but Jonathan Majors is so good. in
0: life. Yeah. yeah, I want it to be Jonathan Majors. I'm feeling like a bit of a pull more towards Taylor Russell winning because I feel like even with people who don't like waves, everyone kind of agrees that she's amazing in it.
5: I'm going to like just say right off the bat, I think it's between those three. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
4: agree.
5: Yeah, I'm going to go with Jonathan Majors in The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Fingers crossed.
1: Yeah, I'm going to lean towards Noah Jupe, but I, I really feel like it is between those three with Jupe and Majors kind of being the more likely scenarios. Uh, I would love it for Jonathan Majors to win. I think he's amazing in that movie. Yeah.
5: All right. Uh, breakthrough director. Uh, Laura De Clermont to, uh, Tonner for The Mustang. Ken Jones for Diane. Jill Talbot, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Olivia Wilde for Booksmart. Philippa Humans for Burning Kane. Oh, Philip Humans, sorry, for Burning Kane. I think it's going to be Olivia Wilde for Booksmart.
1: Mm-hmm. Although it actually wouldn't surprise me if Humans won for Burning Kane, just because that he has kind of a narrative around that movie, too. Yeah. Was he like 17 when he made that film? Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Mean, Still a teenager. Impressive. Yeah, exactly. I can mm-hmm. see
3: them do that.
0: I could see Kent Jones, too, because remember, Gotham is a New York based. Oh, absolutely. Uh, voting body and Kent Jones is very n- big in New York circles.
5: Oh, I I agree. I worship the man. <laughs> I totally agree. Uh, but I, I just think what Olivia Wilde did with Booksmart is, you know, I think there's a lot of popularity there. And, and of course, the work is really good, too.
0: It's definitely the one that most people have seen of this group. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah.
1: I actually... I actually think that's one of the things that might work against Booksmart, because this might be a group that would want to give it to something that doesn't, you know, like Booksmart doesn't really need that kind of help. It already is a movie that people know about and are watching. They might want to give a boost to something that is a little bit more obscure.
5: That's fair. I could totally understand that. Mm. Uh, Best screenplay. Lulu Wang for The Farewell. Terrell Alvin McCraney for High Flying Bird. Jimmy Fails, Joe Talbot, and Rob Richard for *The Last Black Man in San Francisco*. Noah Baumbach for *Marriage Story*, and Ari Aster for *Midsummer*.
0: I'm saying the farewell. I am too. I'm kind of feeling that actually.
3: I'm. I. This is a. This is a, a group. I, I listen to Eric Cohn on his uh, podcast, and they go for far out choices. I'm gonna guess high flying bird.
5: <sighs> I'm gonna. You know. Hmm. I'll be I'll be conventional and I'll say Noah Bombach.
4: Yeah, I'm in between that and the farewell, but I think I'll stick with Marriage Story.
2: I'm gonna say the farewell.
5: Yeah, it's a good way to honor Lulu Wang, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and give her something yeah. on the night. Uh, yeah,
0: and that feels like a good balance between they're more out there and the bigger, um, the bigger players. Sure.
5: Uh, Best Actor, Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse, Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Aldous Hodge in Clemency, Andre Holland, High Flying Bird, and
0: Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Adam Sandler.
3: No, I I agree. I think think it'll be Adam Sandler. I'm going to go with the other Adam.
4: Yeah, I'm going to go with the other Adam, but Uncut Gems did well here, and I feel like I I think I could see that being the start of something big for Adam Sandler there. I'm going
5: to go with Driver uh, just because... You know, it's one of those things where, let's let's put it this way. Remember last year when uh, we were all like, oh, Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper, before the precursors actually started? (laughs) That's how I feel right now with Adam Driver. If I see Driver nominated at any of these, I'm just going to be like, oh, yep, it's going to be Driver. (laughs) Until proven otherwise.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm going with Driver too.
5: Uh, Best Actress, Aquafina, The Farewell, Elizabeth Moss, Her Smell, Mary-Kate Place, Diane, Florence Pugh, Midsummer, Alfre Woodard, Clemency. I have no idea.
1: No,
3: I'm just thinking the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, yeah, With this group, I'll go with the farthest out choice. I'll say Mary Kay Place.
2: <laughs> I'll say Elizabeth Moss. I, too, will yeah, say Elizabeth Moss.
0: Tentatively saying Elizabeth Moss. I'm very not sure about it between and her, Mary s- Kay Place, and Alfie Woodard. But and, I, and if she wins
2: tomorrow night, spoiler alert, I don't think that's going to be the last time her name is mentioned this week.
1: I think we're on to something there, Michael. <laughs> you know, I actually <laughs> think I'm going to say Alfre Woodard. I think she's going to win this.
5: I think it would be a nice boost for clemency, because it mm-hmm. it's done really well here in Independent Spirit Awards, but it really does need something right now.
0: Yeah, it's the neediest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's has very close number two.
4: Yeah,
5: Best Documentary Film, American Factory, Apollo 11, Edge of Democracy, Midnight Traveler, and One Child Nation. I see no reason why the Apollo 11 train stops
3: here.
1: I agree, and it's weird that <laughs> that still doesn't make it a lock in this category
3: for the Oscars. <laughs> they, don't, they don't really have the same kind of prejudice against uh, archival footage that the uh, Oscars do, so I, I'm going to say Apollo 11.
2: And if it doesn't win, you're going to see all these headlines to say Apollo 11 fails to lift up. God. <laughs> oh. uh, best feature, The Farewell, Hustlers,
5: Marriage Story, Uncut Gems, Waves. Marriage story.
4: Yeah.
0: I want to say marriage story, but somehow that still doesn't feel like what this group would do.
3: Yeah. Last, Last year they gave Best Picture to the writer. Yeah.
5: Which is why? I am picking Hustlers.
3: Uh, I, I,
5: I am completely, uh, completely serious when I say this. I'm not joking.
1: I mean, I could see that. I think for me right now, I'm actually leaning towards Uncut Gems. Me I feel like too. that, I, although I can't really provide a great reason for it because like we said, their best feature winners don't seem to have a reason to them themselves. So it's very difficult to pick.
3: Yeah. yeah. So are toughy. Are you guys defaulting to Marriage Story? I don't think so. I, I think they're going to they're gonna go off on their own.
5: But with which one?
3: Ugh, I think Uncut Gems probably. Though I, I don't think Waves is out of the picture either.
0: No, I was thinking, like, you know, they gave the writer last year, and I, it feels like they kind of like to spread things around yeah. this group. And I currently, I'm not sure, like, I'm pretty, like, almost 100% sure Adam Sandler's winning for Best Actor which would mean that this would be more like Hustlers or Waves, but uh,
5: I don't know. I don't know. You know, I wanted to say also for the record, Waves did really, really well this week with the Hollywood uh, Critics Association, formerly known as the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society.
3: Yeah.
5: And I was uh, genuinely surprised by the love it did receive. It, it kind of goes back to something that I felt when I saw it back at Telluride, which is, um, I do think Waves is still somewhat in play through the critics. It may not be, you know, the type of film that we think Buzzwise the Academy will go for in the end. But I could see a world where critics groups and everybody else keeps on pounding on the door to make this happen.
2: Yeah. Mm. Hi everyone, this is Tim Costa. I'm Romano da Silva, and
0: this is Walter Vinci,
2: and together we are the First Time Watchers podcast.
0: Each week, we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen and you don't have to worry about us it. going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh look, no, no, let's no, no. talk stop, about stop, this here. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. God rise. damn it, shut I up! I think that's
5: enough all oh, oh, So, uh, moving on to the next thing. National Board of Review. <laughs> These guys. Oh, they're so much fun. Alrighty, so the the big takeaway from National Board of Review, I think, is this. Last year. Green Book won their Best Picture award. The last Best Picture Oscar winner to correlate with National Board of Review, you had to go back 10 years. 2008, Slumdog Millionaire. All right, so in between that, you had Up in the Air, The Social Network, Hugo, Zero Dark Dirty, Her, A Most Violent Year, Mad Max Fury Road, Manchester by the Sea, The Post. I remember saying last year, Michael, I think you might remember me saying this too. If you're gonna predict the National Board of Review winner, don't pick the Oscar front runner for Best
3: Picture. Yeah, well,
2: you all learn. <laughs> and I remember when
5: Green Book won. I remember still thinking, "Oh, this is great for Roma."
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Already, so. I mean, look at their previous winners, right? If you look at the history, uh, the films I just uh, named, for example, what do we think makes sense here?
1: Marriage Story, I think, makes sense.
5: Can I be very bold and honest with you all?
1: Yes, mm-hmm. please. Of course.
5: <laughs> I don't think the golden line was a fluke. Yep. I, I, I agree. I, I kind of feel like it's going to be Joker.
1: Oh. <laughs> they do have a Warner Brothers bias.
0: Yep. Yeah, they do. They do. They do. They also love Clint Eastwood, too. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about Richard Jewell.
5: I mean, it wouldn't be unwise to say Kathy Bates maybe take supporting actress, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I could see
3: that. What else? What about Just Mercy?
5: Okay, at this point, are we just saying Warner, Warner Brothers
0: films? <laughs> that would be a good boost for that film.
3: Yeah, and it needs it. Damn. Yeah. I, mean, I think but that's Walking a movie that... Phoenix wins Best Actor Walking
2: in the Door.
5: Yeah, I, I'm looking at their Best Actor uh, history here. Jesse Eisenberg, George Clooney, Bradley Cooper, Bruce Stern, Oscar Isaac, Michael Keaton in a tie that year, Matt Damon for The Martian, Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea, Tom Hanks in The Post, Vigal Mortensen for Green Book. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to go for Driver. No.
4: No.
5: I could see a Joaquin Joker pairing possibly happening. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I could. I, I would suspect they'd probably go with Joaquin over the movie mm-hmm. if there was going to be a split. Well what do you think wins uh the film then? Oh boy. <laughs> I I think Marriage Story probably does. They're so conventional.
5: It's weird, right? Because remember they gave the post uh major wins before like most people had a chance to even see it. Which is
0: yeah. why I'm wondering if this isn't where Bombshell stakes its award season claim.
4: Yeah, I could see that.
0: <laughs> what if it's cats? <laughs> <laughs>
2: No. <laughs> I'm going to go with The Irishman for best film and keep Joker in their top 10 and then Joaquin for best actor.
5: You know, they did give uh Silence uh best adapted screenplay if I remember correctly and that was also like before mo- majority of people had a chance to uh see it.
2: And Hugo won. Yeah. They do like him. Which is why yep. I think
5: that it's more likely he probably wins uh director from them if anything. Mm, At that's least true. that's my guess. That makes sense. Actually, you know what? Maybe De Niro winning actor uh,
2: makes a bit of sense, too. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not going to predict it. Yeah. I mean, you could never really predict these people, but. No. Yeah.
4: Who wins supporting actor there?
2: Oh, God. The uh, question of the, uh, of the year. <laughs> I
5: think Bradford. <laughs> Last year, they went with Sam Elliott in Stars Born. The year before that, Willem Dafoe in the Florida Project. Jeff Bridges, Hell or High Water. Sylvester Stallone in Creed. Edward Norton for Birdman.
0: It's basically whoever is the frontrunner
5: or <laughs> er, the front runner early.
0: Yeah. Which right oh, Brad now, Brad do you know yeah. anyone? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brad Pitt or Defoe. I, I guess. Or Al Pacino. Yeah. Oh yeah.
3: That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense.
5: I think Al Pacino. Yeah. You know what? I think Al Pacino makes sense uh, here actually, probably more so than maybe De Niro an actor actually. And just going through the history of the category, um, Al Pacino has not won here since uh, The Godfather in supporting, might I add, in 1972. As far as actor goes, uh, he won for Serpico in 1973, and I believe that was it. So, yeah, I could see that happening.
1: Especially if they like The Irishman a lot. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah.
5: Uh, and then another thing also, too, to uh, kind of keep in mind sometimes is their top 10 films. And the overlap that those have uh, with Best Picture. So there have been uh, a couple of instances in uh, recent years where their top 10 films, you know, definitely overlap to a significant degree. Um, Sometimes it's like three, I'd say, like, right. It's like usually like three don't make it Mm -hmm. or three. Actually, maybe a little more than three. I would say like three or four. You know, but like last year, for example, Green Book won Best Picture. Uh, their lineup included uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Eighth Grade, First Reformed, If Beale Street Could Talk, Mary Poppins Returns, A Quiet Place, Roma, and A Star Is Born. So last year, they, they really—they
0: like A twenty four.
5: But last year, like the the overlap was like non-existent. Last year,
4: yeah,
3: and it may be this year. I mean, I could see them going for the Two Popes and Knives Out. Oh yeah.
5: Yeah, that's yeah. true. I could see that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it just feels like every year NBR casts a pretty wide net mm-hmm. and it's I don't they're always a group that are fascinating to look at, but you kind of have to take everything they do with a bit of a grain of salt cuz they bring attention to some stuff, but they're so idiosyncratic and nobody knows anything about them that it's hard yeah. to take them at face value every year.
5: But yeah, we take them seriously every year because they've been around Forever.
1: Yeah, it's like, that's the only (laughs) qualification they really have is that they're old.
5: (laughs) They've been around for over a hundred years. A hundred (laughs) years.
1: Yeah. It's
5: pretty insane. Alrighty, moving over now to New York Film Critics Circle. I I sometimes feel like these guys, not that they are predictable, but like I can sometimes get a feel, if you will, for what they're going to do. So, for example... Michael, I believe you alluded to this earlier. You think Elizabeth Moss is going to win New York Film Critics Circle, don't you? I do. I do, too.
0: As do I. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the only other thing I could see. That I could see them doing two other things in that category, and that's Aquafina for The Farewell or Mary Kay Place for Diane.
5: I, see, I disagree. I actually
2: think that uh, Renee could take it. Not with New York, I don't think. You don't think so? No, I think a lot of people are really cold on that movie and performance. Meryl Streep did win this for the Iron Lady. That's different. Is it, though? Yeah, she looked
5: the part. (laughs)
1: Oh, come on, Michael. (laughs) Love Shady Michael.
5: (laughs) Here's another thing to keep in mind. If you go through the list here of uh, of who they've given Best Actress to, right? Last year was Regina Hall for Support the Girls. Yep. Okay? The year before that, Sersha Ronan, Lady Bird. Isabelle of the year before that. Saoirse Ronan again for Brooklyn. All right. Th- this is kind of leading me to believe that uh, Greta Gerwig's A Little Women is probably going to get something.
3: Probably.
5: <laughs> uh Marion Cotillard for The Immigrant in Two Days, One Night. Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. Rachel Weisz for The Deep Blue Sea. Meryl Streep, The Iron Lady. Annette Benning, The Kids, are all right.
3: Mm. I I could probably see them giving it to Lawrence Pugh for supporting those women
2: yeah see I, I supporting is another one I think they are ready to go in rewarding uh, Miss JLo
1: oh yeah I'm with you on I that one have, but I, I,
3: I, I, I feel that happening yeah I could see that yeah definitely
1: I actually feel more confident about that than Elizabeth Moss
4: yeah me too
2: yeah that is something Those uh, New York critics not to generalize here but those New York critics are I think dying to give Hustlers something I want to see what their director lineup looks
5: like the last uh, last ten years. Uh, David Fincher for *The Social Network*. Michelle has Catherine Bigelow, Steve McQueen, Richard Linklater, Todd Haynes, Barry Jenkins, Sean Baker, and Alfonso Cuarón. And then Martin Scorsese. Y- you think? I do. I would say Bong. Yeah, I'd bong. Of those
1: two.
5: I'm gonna go with Sam Mendes. Well, those are like the top like stunning achievements. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, we did just name the top three, didn't we? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Watch them give it to Lulu Wang. <laughs> oh, it would be so great. Uh,
5: but yeah, best picture. What do we think? That's Parasite. where I think
0: Parasite strikes. Yeah, I say
5: Parasite. I. Mm-hmm.
0: I, uh, I don't think so. I, I don't. I'm I don't
5: not ready to Parasite. predict Parasite as like a
2: sweeper for Best Picture, like Roma was last year. I don't think it'll I, sweep every Critics Award group. Like, I don't think it'll go with all the original ones, but I do think New York and spoiler, LA will match once again in their best. I goal.
0: think New York might go for Irishmen. Y-
2: yeah, if there is a runner up, I would say definitely Irishmen
0: and would not yeah. be surprised to see that.
5: Yeah, see, I was thinking Parasite would take LA, Irishmen took New York. That
0: was my thinking.
2: Yeah, yeah because it, it LA matches sometimes, though. They're very the deep uh,
0: in LA. Yeah. I feel like L.A. is either Parasite or Marriage Story. Agreed.
5: Uh, And then Best Actor from New York Film Critics. Going through the list here, uh, Colin Firth, uh, King's Speech, Brad Pitt, Daniel Day-Lewis, Robert Redford, For All is Lost, Timothy Spall, Mr. Turner, Michael Keaton, Casey Affleck, Timothy Chalamet. Even
4: Hawke. I'd say it's the two Adams, either of them.
5: I, I'm going to go with Driver yeah. for actor that because honestly, looking at the history of the category, yeah. they tend to go definitely with the front runner, um, the critic sweeper, Colin Firth, Daniel Day Lewis, um, uh, Casey Affleck, Even Hawke. Last year, Timothy Chalamet did do really well in Best Actor of that year as well mm-hmm. with the uh, precursors. So I'll comfortably go with Adam Driver for actor okay. this year from them.
3: I'll, I'll, I'm gonna go with De Niro because he's New York through and through.
0: Yeah, he's won three times too in this category. Yeah, that's what. I, it's one of the two of them.
1: You I'm know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Driver for right now, but I actually think we should look out for Banderas here as well.
5: That's a good call, yeah, but yeah. I'm thinking more L.A. from for him personally. But that is still a good call. Um, I think I think Banderas is definitely going to get his push. For his campaign um, over these next couple of weeks, for sure, from the critics.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, and then supporting actor, you know, past couple of years, we had Mark Ruffalo, The Kids Are All Right, Albert Brooks for Drive, Matthew McConaughey for Magic Mike and Bernie, Jared Leto, Dallas Buyers Club, J.K. Simmons, Whiplash, Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies, Mahershala Ali, Moonlight, Willem Dafoe, The Florida Project, and Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me?
1: So I'm actually going to go out on a limb for this one. This is kind of a no guts, no glory pick for me. And I'm going to say Shia LaBeouf for Honey Boy.
0: From New York? Yes. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to
5: go with, I'm going to go with Defoe. And I'm not saying that because I'm advocating for it. I'm going with it because they tend to go with the
1: critical
2: (laughs) favorite.
4: Yeah, I agree. Yeah,
2: I could see that. My choice is, it's what it is. Oh, Pesci! Mm-hmm.
4: Oh,
0: I can see that too. I, you know,
5: I have been wondering how much will Pesci like actually win in this category with certain uh, groups. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Yeah, like like I have a feeling Pacino will show up more in terms of nominations, maybe. But Pesci could definitely win some stuff. I, I would not be surprised. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good call, Michael.
3: Yeah, it's a slightly subtler performance than Pacino's.
5: Yeah, man, you know Pesci is a good call, Michael. I, I'm thinking about that now, and that's like that's that sounds really nice.
0: What about what about Lithgow?
5: No, I'm not feeling that. Okay. from, from like, this group.
0: I mean, you know, Lithgow is big in New York, but I don't know if that role is gonna. A lot of people He's aren't great. really responding to his work here, from what I understand. Yeah. i
5: yeah, no, definitely. in
0: it, but that movie really is all about the ladies.
5: I'm not feeling Hanks. I don't think the buzz is there for Sterling K. Brown. This is, yeah, you know, as I'm like going through piece by piece here, um, I feel like Brad Pitt has a good chance with L.A. Yeah. I don't know if he takes both New York and L.A., though, no. which is why, Michael, I love your call for Pesci, actually. I really do.
0: Song Kang Ho is going to win one of these. I yeah, think I think he yeah. takes L.A. I think L.A., yeah.
5: Well, then, well, Brad Pitt has to take something, right? NBR. He doesn't
0: have to. Uh, NBR, You think
5: he'll take it? Oh, oh, NBR is a good call, yeah. All righty. Moving away from New York Film Critics Circle. AFI, top 10 films of the year. So last year, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Eighth Grade, The Favorite, First Reformed, Green Book, If Beale Street Could Talk, Mary Poppins Returns, A Quiet Place, and A Star is Born. Here's what we know for sure. We know Parasite will not be in the top 10. So looking at, and and it's never wise to predict like what you currently have for best picture for these guys, because obviously there's always, you know, one or two here and there that don't make it. So from that standpoint, uh, w- what do we think
2: definitely gets in? Definitely the Irishman who wants to spend time in Hollywood. Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: I, uh, I can see all uh, three. I could see all three Netflix films going in. Two popes. Two popes. Yeah, there's yeah, no
2: world. See that. I don't have it, but I can see it happening. I think uh, contenders. You have, of course, have the Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, at uh, the locks in there, and then that's where it gets a little fuzzy. After that, I would think do you have Joker getting in. I do. Um, I do. Yeah,
5: They do tend to go with uh, some popular films like Zootopia's gotten in, Wonder Woman has
2: gotten in. And then Jojo Rabbit, how does that sound? Yeah, I can see that.
5: I think it, I, I'm starting to get the sense that if anything is going to start to
2: falter a little bit over the next few weeks, it will be Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, yeah that's an if. You know, we'll see what happens. There's nothing... To back that up just no of but, course uh, not
5: it's just this, this vibe I've been feeling in terms of uh, where its buzz currently
3: resides at the moment and I'm, and I'm really not sure how it plays with the older academy members
5: yeah I will I will tell you this I know some people quote unquote in that older bracket who think the movie is lovely and they thought it was entertaining uh, but they don't think it's one of the best movies of the year. So, I mean, but listen, I only talked to, like, two people
2: that said that to me. So, yeah. I'm just going to jump to the end outside of the best picture ones and predict that Avengers gets in the top ten here.
0: I could see that happening.
5: You, you, so you think, of that, you think Avengers Endgame and Joker can both get in?
2: I do. Yeah, I could see that. And then I have bombshell hanging out toward the bottom. Uh, we'll see what happens with that, but if there's something to overtake, Bombshell, I can maybe see The Farewell, since it is eligible. It's an American film.
3: Yeah. yeah. And AFI premiered uh, Richard Jewell. Maybe look for that in the top ten.
2: Maybe. AFI likes to go big, but they also like to go artsy at times, because it's like the AFI Conservatory. So I could actually see this being one of those head scratches where something like A Hidden Life gets in.
5: I think the thing to definitely uh, pay attention to will be which films get both National Board of Review and
4: AFI, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Just because, and listen, I know that that's not foolproof. Um, you know, Beale Street, eighth grade, etc. But you know, it, it's it's good from the standpoint of we're looking for consensus right now, right? We're looking to kind of sort through these. 15, 17, whatever it is, films that are vying for a Best Picture nomination and just trying to whittle it down, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and remember the case with uh, Beale Street and eighth grade last year was that they weren't really campaigned.
5: Right. Something to keep in mind. But, uh, you know, I remember last year, especially, this was where like A Quiet Place started to like kind of pop up a bit and we were like, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, you know? <laughs> yeah. And to that extent, I could see Knives Out showing up.
5: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now um, we're not going to go into like heavy, heavy detail with this necessarily, but uh, Critics Choice Awards uh, will be announcing uh, their nominations. And I'm just really curious to know what will be like the big talking point, you think, uh, when the nominations do come out. For example, I don't know if you guys remember this last year, but um, I remember Damien Chazelle and First Man got a big boost. Uh, from Critics' Choice with uh, Ryan Gosling getting into actor, Chazelle got into director, the film got into picture. And I remember thinking, uh, you know, based on that, that the film was, you know, previously on life support and then it got a shot in the arm and then next thing you know, it was on life life support again (laughs) in like a few weeks after. But, um, you know, I remember that was a big deal. Um, Obviously, we look at what gets nominated for Best Picture at Critics' Choice because there's a good correlation with their prize there with uh, Best Picture. So what do you guys think will be like the big story in terms of what do you think will get left off? What do you think might get in?
1: I imagine that there's going to be a lot made on the nominations that Joker gets. I think that this is going to be a group that's going to very much Mm -hmm. respond to it. And I think when the dust settles, that's actually going to be a really big story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that.
5: Yeah, Peter Farrelly, I remember, got in for Green Book last year for director. And I remember also thinking at the time, oh, that's not a director play. You know, he's not in contention. But then, boom, he got that. He got Golden Globe nominated. And uh, it kind of helped to solidify the film's place, if you will. I do agree with you, Josh, that if Joker doesn't get, like, a Best Picture nomination here from Critics' Choice, that will be extremely telling. Because Critics' Choice is the ones that usually do go for um, the films that people, you know, typically will say, oh, well, that's not an Academy movie, you know. But it gets in at Critics' Choice, though. So for uh, another example, last year, like Tony Collette got in for Hereditary. Another example is like, you know, Mad Max Fury Road uh, obviously got in here. I mean, George Miller won Best Director that year. This will be a good opportunity to see if the stuff that we're like worried about for, for example, this year – Lupita Nyong'o for us. Yeah, I could see them. Yeah. Going. If she doesn't oh, get yeah. in a Critics' Choice,
0: that's huge.
4: Yeah, especially with they have more than five in their categories. Like, you know, <laughs> right. There.
0: Speaking of which, us could make the AFI top ten. I can't believe none of us said that.
4: I was thinking it. Yeah.
5: Um. Another example, once again, is Willem Dafoe. I think for the Lighthouse. Keep beating that drum, Matt. <laughs> hey, I will stop beating the drum if he doesn't get it. Yeah. Like to me, because to me, him getting in here is a gimme. It should, ha- there's absolutely no reason that it should not happen.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think that Willem Defoe has critics on his side, certainly. I think his roadblock is going to be like SAG and GLOBE. Yeah. That's yeah. where yeah. I'm predicting a roadblock for that performance. But yeah, at Critics' Choice, which has more slots for their categories and likes to be like basically take every Oscar contender and try to get them in as <laughs> whenever they can, I think that'll be good news for him here. Right,
5: because you know, yeah. If he doesn't, if he doesn't get in here. Th- I think, I think the, I think it's over.
3: Yeah.
5: You know, but Michael B. Jordan kept his hopes alive last year uh, with getting in here for Black Panther. I remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he didn't really get. I don't think he got in anywhere else, if I remember correctly.
4: No.
5: No, no globe, nothing no. like that. But I do remember it's what kept his chances alive in this category. Like he was still on the table because he got there with this. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty but, sure this was like the first big place. Like, if I remember correctly, that Yulita showed up. If I'm unless I'm wrong, there.
5: Uh, yeah, I think you're. I think you're right about that. Cause she didn't get a. She didn't get a Golden Globe nomination. No. No. So yeah, that was that was another one exactly. So, yeah, I'll be looking out for Lapita. I'll be looking out for Defoe. Uh, oh, what's another thing? I'll be lo- I'll be looking out for yeah the Joker support to see if that's really real or not. Another thing I'll be very curious about is two popes.
1: Yes. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Critics really, really love Two Popes. But for some reason, I've been extremely hesitant to like go really far with that film in a lot of different areas. Production design, editing, Hopkins. Heck, I'm even starting to wane on price a little bit. I'm not going to
3: lie. Oh. Mm-hmm. But the production design in that, I mean, they had to recreate this. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Right. Right.
5: <laughs> and that's another thing, too. Uh, you know, if you're having trouble with some of your tech categories right now, this is going to be a great opportunity uh, to take a look at what gets in here.
1: Yeah. 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 I was actually going to mention that obviously I think Parasite is going to do well with like picture and director with this group. But I'd be very curious to see where it shows up in their tech categories as well. Yeah.
5: Production design.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, it should.
5: Color. Right. Yeah. I'm really, I'm going to be curious what gets into cinematography. Because I was going through my list the other day and I have a lot of non best picture uh, films getting cinematography nomination right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very uncomfortable about that idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you should.
5: <laughs> yeah. So I like I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself, Ad Astra, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Lighthouse, Hidden Life, what the hell's going on here? <laughs>
1: you have Ed Astra in your lineup right now?
5: I did. I, I took it I took it out. Okay. Uh, but I, I did for a little bit. I, I recently uh, put Joker in, and you know Rodrigo Prieto was working the circuit hard right now for Irishman in terms of really explaining to people, oh, we had these three cameras with three cam, uh, with uh, three rigs with three cameras, and you know this innovative way to shoot to get the visual effects, and I, I just think a lot of uh, people in the industry that understand the work that goes into a. GP's work uh, will really respond to that.
3: Yeah. No,
1: well, I, and especially for the cinematographer's branch that knows his work and respects mm-hmm. him, too. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be tough to go up against Deacons, but I, I think he has a good shot. As good a shot as anyone.
5: And then, you know, we have a lot of fun categories, too, at Critics' Choice, uh, best action movie, comedy, horror movie, things like that. Um, you know, you could start to see things like, um, uh, you know, Daniel Craig for *Knives Out*, for example, in mm-hmm. uh, Best Actor in a Comedy. Um, you know, the the book smart ladies could show up in uh, Best Actress in a Comedy, for example. Uh, you know, one thing that I, I I've always appreciated like about this group is that there I, I I don't know what it is, but I've always liked uh, the nominations here more so than Globes. Sometimes I don't know, maybe that's because they just align more with the critic the critical consensus.
1: <laughs> 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 but. Globes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that the Critics Choice do have interesting nominees, but I always get the feeling like they just sort of copy and paste Oscar predictions and that kind of annoys me a little bit. The globes, yeah, they're they got problems, but at least they're always sort of interesting in a fun way. Whereas I don't know, Critics Choice kinda of bore me sometimes with their picks.
3: Yeah. But very often the globes uh, nominate people they want to show up at their ceremony.
5: Oh,
1: yeah.
3: yeah.
5: Hey everyone, I'm Aaron and I'm Patrick. And together we host the Feelin' Film Podcast, a show that focuses more on the emotional takeaway from a movie experience rather than its technical merit.
1: Yes, sir. Talking
5: about what we love about film and focusing less on the critical side of things makes for a very entertaining and enjoyable discussion. New episodes drop every Monday morning, and you can catch them on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting networks. You can also find out more about the show at feelinfilm.com. In the meantime, as we say on the show, stay positive and keep feeling film. All right, fan questions this week. Uh, First one from International Film Critique. Realistically, I love how this is being phrased right now, and outside of the film Twitter bubble, which films right now are being massively underestimated because of Metacritic ratings? For example, Green Book, Lion, Hidden Figures, Hacksaw Ridge, Bohemian Rhapsody, American Sniper. My picks: Jojo Rabbit, Just Mercy, and Richard
3: Jewell.
1: Well, I do think Just Mercy is going to do everyone.
3: Well. Yeah, and certainly Jojo's. It's in the fifties, I think, in, in Metacritic. It's, it's much more more potent than that. Yeah, agreed.
2: Yeah. It seems like people have really started to learn lessons about it. the the split between what critics think and what goes on to win awards lately. Like Mm -hmm. last year in particular, you had Vice and Bohemian Rhapsody and a couple other titles, Green Book, you know, which still got very solid reviews, just wasn't what we had seen in previous Best Picture winners. So I think people are now understanding that just because this movie has this rating of Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic doesn't mean that it's out of the race. Yeah. David Mitchell Baker asks, with the critical buzz and
5: the higher than expected box office earnings... Where do you all currently have Knives Out in your predictions? Screenplay. I have screenplay and I have editing.
4: I'm sad
2: to say I don't have it anywhere, but I do have it competing for both of those. Yeah. If it does get in anywhere. With Michael. Yeah.
5: <laughs> uh, this one's directed at me, but I feel compelled to have to answer it. At Sport one asks, uh, you really need to address the Pitt and DiCaprio snub prediction and explain it in detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I will. Best actor is crowded right now. Um, they have snubbed Leonardo DiCaprio a lot in the past, and just because he's won, I don't think makes him a mainstay to get nominated for every single performance he gives until the end of his career. It when
0: after someone tries the overdue campaign to win an Oscar, it the, it's a long time, generally speaking, before they're back.
5: So I could see him missing, not because he I don't think he's worthy. I think it, it's a great performance. I think it's better than his performance he gave in The Revenant, if I'm being completely honest and with I you all. I would
0: agree. Yeah, I would agree too. But yep.
5: I just think he's going to get pushed out, uh, maybe because some people will think he is safe. Uh, I don't know. But I can sense that the passion to nominate someone like Antonio Banderas, who's never been nominated... I don't think Leo has that passion this year because he just won. So where is the overriding desire to have to vote for him again just to get him, what, a nomination and not even a win? Because he's not contending for the win.
2: Well, I think think it's one thing if the movie is like Arrival, which obviously did very well with nominations, but was never competing for the Best Picture win. This is a movie that we all just said earlier can very well win Best Picture. So if they all love it that much, I think he's pretty much brought along with that since he's the heart of the movie.
5: I, I and I'm not going to disagree with you on this. I'm really not. It's just something I'm going to ride right now, and I'm going to I'm going to see what happens with it. You know, I have been you know every other week putting him in, putting him back in, going back and forth. You know,
1: you know, just one of one of the that I would just want to mention about DiCaprio and the narrative about him being a recent winner. That is true, but DiCaprio also deliberately took a break from acting from that last win. So it's not like we've seen him in a bunch of movies to like really push that narrative of, Oh, we already gave it to you. Like he's been away for a while and he came back Mm -hmm. in a movie that, as we said, could very well win best picture. And I think that makes a difference in terms of a narrative for him with this movie.
5: And uh, for Brad Pitt, um, I've got a couple of different reasons for this, but one is that is my shocking uh, Oscar nominate nomination morning snub you know, there's always there's always one, and uh, that's one that I could see happening, and now here's why I could see it happening. A, it's a very subdued performance. It's not a transformational role. No crying, no yelling scenes. Two, uh, you know, I know people say the lack of campaigning is the campaign, and it does help, but it is something to factor. But the main thing, the big thing for me with Brad Pitt possibly missing is Anybody who has a problem with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the problem usually revolves around that character.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. I, and I agree to Can a Can I certain be a little controversial
2: that... and suggest something about that? I mean, sure. Okay. No one voting cares. It's a Twitter thing.
5: I, I I I listen, I completely agree with you on that standpoint. I'm just trying it out right now and I want to just see what happens.
3: I think you have a point because the backstory of of Brad's character is a bit troubling and it may be something that voters, a few voters might not be able to get past.
1: I just think people like this movie too much and they like Brad Pitt in this movie. He is one of the things that people walk out that they say, Oh, I had such a fun time with that character. And he is so laid back and so cool. I mean, he was a Halloween costume, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I, I really don't see how Brad Pitt misses. I, I understand your arguments, Matt. And I look at this point, anything could happen. But I really feel like he is he's looking pretty safe from my perspective.
5: Yeah, I'll move him back in this week.
3: <laughs> all right. good.
5: All right. Uh, Pedro Cruz asks, what film do you guys have winning visual effects right now? It is
0: what it is. Oh, <laughs> sighing.
5: It's what it is. I'm sorry. I misquoted Steve Zellian right there. It is what it is. <laughs> Or it's what it is. Whatever. It's because at the end of the day, I look at that category. There's no other best picture
1: frontrunners. No. Now, what do you think about
0: 1917? It's Martin Scorsese versus Marvel. That's what I was going to say. 1917 could show up there. If 1917 gets in here,
5: I will definitely consider that heavily. Yeah. I'm leaning towards it not – Just because Dunkirk missed this category, and I understand Dunkirk was done more practically.
1: True, but I think another thing to remember is that Dunkirk, that nomination process was a little bit different. Yeah. it. It changed the following year because I really feel like First Man got in because of the way that they changed their nomination process. And it feels like 1917 could benefit from that as well. And I I don't know. Something about the Irishman just doesn't fully convince me. And I really feel like that's a little bit more
0: vulnerable than we assume. There are a lot of people who are saying that the VFX were
3: what turned them off of the movie.
4: Yeah. Yeah, But
3: but if not the Irishman, then what? We've got the Lion King. We've got Avengers.
5: Avengers Endgame, baby.
3: Oh,
2: brother. Here we go. Reward the film. (laughs) Reward the franchise. (laughs) This is where cinema prevails.
5: <laughs> oh God! No, no, no! Because ask yourself this question: What if Irishman uh, misses a nomination completely?
1: Sheesh. And 1917 isn't in there either.
5: Yeah, let's just let's just assume that right now. Let's assume that it was just a collection of all, all
0: non non uh, Astra.
5: Two years in a row for space movies like that. Oh.
0: If it's not the if it's if all else fails, it's the picture that feels most like a best picture nominee.
5: Agreed. Avengers Endgame.
0: Depending on what gets in there, that could be at Astra. Yeah. How are the effects in the Aeronauts? No, they're pretty good. I just have no faith in that film anymore. Yeah. I, I just
1: sort of feel like it's you know it's a period piece. It kind of has some hallmarks of a Best Picture nominee, even though it clearly isn't one. And you know, if all else fails, maybe if that's the only kind of prestigy title in the group, they might default to that. I don't know. I don't know what to do with this category.
5: Yeah. Isaiah Washington asks, uh, will both Joe Pesci and Al Pacino get in for supporting or will it just be
3: one of them?
4: Right now, I'm just saying one. I have both in, but if it's just going to be one, I think it's Pacino.
3: Yeah. Agreed with Casey. It's too big a performance.
0: I think it's going to be both of them.
4: I hope it's both of them.
0: I think it's going
5: to be just Pacino. But I want to see how the category shakes out. Like, I want to see how well Pesci does with the critics groups and things like that, because... Um, that that field is so crowded right now. Oh. Nope. And this goes back to what I was saying before about Pitt. Nobody feels safe to me right now with that category. Literally nobody. Because it's just, there's so many people in it. It's very fluid
1: right now, yeah.
5: Okay. This one comes from Colby Mack at Colby Told Me. As we near the end of 2019, uh, as critics, do you tend to look back at the films you've watched and rated and never thought about changing your rating? Is changing a rating a big no-no for you? Are there any films that come to mind... Uh, that you will definitely change
0: or already have. I wouldn't change a rating without seeing a movie for a second time.
1: yeah. I mean, I like to go back and watch movies again as I start to formalize my top ten. and most of the time there's not a whole lot of movement, but sometimes there there is you look at a movie in a different way and it you get more appreciation for it. So it's definitely not out the realm of possibility.
4: I think there's definitely movies in like the first half of the year that I probably gave like a letterbox rating that was maybe a little higher than I meant just cause I wasn't seeing Ooh. as many great things. Like I think I gave like captain Marvel four and a half and I'm like, I don't think you liked it that much. Yeah. That <laughs> happens a lot. Mm-hmm. You, you go back to the
1: first
0: half of the year. It's like, Oh, I was desperate. <laughs> we yeah. tell now. I, I do like, I do shift films around in my like ranked list a lot.
4: Yeah. I do too. They yes. Or sure
0: yes. become more sticky but i i don't change a a rating unless i see it again
5: i've done this so people you know can hold me hold me to this um i write my review i post my rating when we get to the podcast review sometimes i do change it but i don't think i've ever had a drastic change i think i've only gone up one or down one yeah. on a podcast review
3: yeah yeah it's something about your gut
5: yeah yeah but sometimes when we get to the podcast review and I hear of you other perspectives and, you know, it it, it, it kind of helps to either enrich in the movie or it validates how I felt before. You know what I mean? And uh, th- there were just some things sometimes that you just don't, you know, you don't think of, you know, but somebody else did. And you're like, oh, I really like that a lot. Like that, that just made the movie so much better for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I always wait until the podcast review, generally speaking. Uh, even may asks with Atlantic's dropping on Netflix right now, how does the international feature uh, category look as of right now? Oh, well, it looks like a parasite. That's really, for sure. It's like yeah. parasite yeah.
1: and four losers. <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah.
3: I, I think the solid ones are parasite pain and glory and lame is, um, beyond that it's a crapshoot.
1: Yeah, I actually would have predicted Le Mis to miss, but now that they've changed it so the entire academy can vote for the nominees, I feel like it's safely in now.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm telling you, Invisible Life from Brazil. I'm telling you. I've heard I got
5: that on screener. I am going to watch Watch that because of the
0: recommendation that you are all giving me. So I'm very excited to check that one out. It's
4: great. It's so well made. It's yeah, Yeah, there's some real competition.
0: There's really a lot to like It's for anyone can grab onto in that movie. I was going to say, we all know Parasite's going to win, but there's actually a lot of competition
2: for what gets nominated here because you have Pain and Glory, Les Mis, uh, Atlantics, and then We Danced and Visible Life, Monos, Beanpole. There's a lot going on there.
4: Yeah. And
3: and good stuff.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I've loved a lot of the non-english language stuff that i've seen so far okay.
5: this year this has been uh, overall i know in the beginning of the year we were like on life support thinking that this was going to be a really really rough year but i do remember us saying that the second half of the year looked extremely extremely packed with potentially great films and I'm very happy to report that you know not many films have really disappointed in uh, the later half of the year here, it's been pretty remarkable, all things considered. I mean, like, what's been the one big, big, big disappointment? Goldfinch.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, motherless Brooklyn, I guess.
5: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess. It, I guess that's true. Uh, but this is what uh, Lisa C is asking us in regards to that. With it being an incredibly good year for films, what do you predict as being the number? Of Films nominated for best picture this year with the 5 to 10 rule. I'm thinking it has to be on the high side of 9 is 10 even a possibility
2: Ten's never gonna happen just based yeah. on how the math is done. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that So I, I, I don't see why this isn't a year of nine I think there's a lot of passion for these titles toward the bottom Last year made sense as a year of eight because there were a lot of movies that you know You could tell people liked but no one could really rally behind to you know get it to the nomination But I think when you have movies like Ford versus Ferrari or Bombshell or The Two Popes or The Farewell, uh, you know, these are movies that have passion behind them. And I think we'll
0: take that ninth slot. I just wonder if there are too many films competing for that ninth slot and it ends up being eight again.
2: Because remember, we're only talking about 300 people. I know. (laughs) (laughs) If there were like 600, that might be. You know, a bigger hurdle, but 300 is really, you know, piece of cake for some of these movies.
0: I know that's the thing, but like, how many of them are going to get 300? Like, if they all get, if all of the films in contention for that ninth spot get around 300, it's, I, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be very interesting as this season plays out. It tends to happen in the weaker years.
2: Like, we saw it in 2014, 2015, and 2018, which lots of good movies that year, but they weren't like the best of the decade. And I think the way that this year is ending, I think we have some really phenomenal titles that we'll look back in a couple of years and say, Oh, well, wow, 2019 was really great.
3: Yeah. And if we have a core six, like 1917 marriage story, Irishman, Hollywood, parasite, Jojo, then you add Joker, two popes, bombshell, farewell. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Little women. There, yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. It's a really, really good year. I've seen a lot of people on twitter especially over the last couple of days saying that 2019 might be actually their favorite film year of the decade um i'm waiting for star wars and yes cats a little bit uh <laughs> to see how that really all does uh, finalize for myself as i've seen pretty much everything except now for those two Uh, But I have to say, when I look at my list uh, for the year and I see the films competing for best picture and I see like just, the you know, listen, I get it. You know, there are some films that people just don't like in the best picture race and that's the way it's always going to be. And I totally understand that. But the best picture race is not, I don't think, reflective of the year as a whole. I think you got to, like, you know, take a look at everything. And when I take a step back and I look at, like, the variety that this year had to offer in the independent side of things, the foreign language film side of things, the big blockbusters, it's been one hell of a packed year.
1: Yeah.
5: You know? Mm-hmm. It, what would have made it, like, the year of my life is if Game of Thrones ended well. But otherwise, <laughs> it's been a hell of a year.
3: Ah, come on. You <laughs> had to get that in.
5: Yeah, yeah. No, nothing on the film side could ever disappoint me as much as that did. <laughs>
2: so maybe maybe that's what's influencing it i don't know but in any event though i remember when that ended just on a side note and you were like yeah yeah it was okay it was good you were trying to like say that it was fine and convince yourself that it was a decent finale i
0: really was okay, it was a decent we are a couple finale later and you're like hmm.
2: yeah now that i'm more removed from it it's like oh,
0: god damn it it really wasn't that great was it <laughs> it was good it wasn't great
5: Yeah, no, that's where I lean. It was good, but it should have been great. Anyway, anyway, I'm not going to beat a dead horse anymore. We need to uh, wrap it up here. Uh, Critics groups, everything else starting this week in full force. It's going to be wild. It's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, The Academy visual effects shortlist. Oh, my God. So much, so much, so much good stuff. Buckle up. What's the phrase? It's going to be a bumpy bumpy night. It's going to be a bumpy night. Exactly. (laughs) It's what it is. Michael Schwartz, where can they find you on the internet?
2: You can find me on Twitter at mschwartz95. Casey Lee Clark.
4: You can find me on Twitter at Casey Lee Clark.
2: Josh Parham. I am on Twitter
1: at
0: J.R. Parham. How about you, Dan Bear? Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at film.
3: And Thomas E. O'Brien. Well, you can find me yapping on Twitter at Thomas e. O'Brien.
0: Oh, look at that.
5: Amazing. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 170 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, FM, Cast CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over a Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us, including this year's exclusive Patreon podcast reviews of Star Wars The Force Awakens, which will help us get ready for The Rise of Skywalker, and also for the Christmas holiday, we will be reviewing the classic film, It's a Wonderful Life. Those are Patreon exclusives, which you'll be able to listen to in full for $1 minimum a month. Patreon, next best picture. Thank you so much for listening once again, as always, we shall see you all next time.